Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Podcast Royal. We took a week off last week unexpectedly. That is 100% my fault because I got so sick, not with COVID. Thank you, Jesus. But there was absolutely no way that I was in any shape or form to talk about the Royals or talk about even what my name was, what day it was last Monday. So, no episode last week because of sickness again thankfully not COVID but we are back this week with episode four so Jess sorry for the unexpected uh departure but it happens and yeah I was really worried about you last week so I'm, I'm yeah. glad that you were able to to get rested up and we yeah. did even though we didn't record a podcast episode you and I did chat a little bit yeah. and and you kept me up to date on what was going on with you. So I'm um, really glad you're feeling better. And, me and we're too. It was not great. It was not great. And so, you know, I didn't even have COVID. I had a, the medical term is viral gastroenteritis, say that five times fast. But uh, even with the stomach bug, I was down for the count. So that actually ups my resolve even more to stay healthy and COVID free because I am not good at being sick. I mean, who is, but I am not a good patient and I do not want to get that sick anytime soon. So it's good to be back again. Sorry for the unexpected absence. That is why life happens. How's your week been Jessica? How have the, I mean, we've chatted a little bit, but how have the last couple of weeks been? They've been good. I know we talked last time about how we were getting in the holiday spirit, and I think it's definitely here. Yeah. I think I have officially finished my Christmas shopping, and I've still got a little wrapping to do. So um, I'm really excited about spending next week with family. I am planning to head to Georgia early this this next week sometime. So um, it'll be great just to kind of check out for a few days and um, have a little bit of normalcy, um, you know, in, er, during the holiday season. I hear you. So you will be with family this year. Yeah, definitely. Good. Definitely. You know, I didn't see them at Thanksgiving. So uh-huh. I'm really excited for Christmas. What about you? Do you have any plans? Yes. Well, very truncated plans, but I will be seeing family we will be staying here in Birmingham, which is where we live. And it's just going to be very simple. We're going to do a drive-through communion at our church, which we've actually been doing since August. And we'll be watching Christmas Eve service online. Um, we're going to try to keep our Christmas traditions that we talked about on the podcast last week. We will be having Mexican food, but it won't be at a restaurant. We're just tweaking some things and making it work. And we're even adding in some new traditions. The Christmas speech from the queen, by the way, is a go. And so it airs at three o'clock London time. So that would be, we're on central time. So that would be 9 a.m. here, 10 a.m. Eastern. So that will be our Christmas morning for sure. My mom, the Anglophile and me. And So we're just going to watch some movies and it'll be at my house this year. And so I'm just, I'm excited to see my mom for Christmas because we did not see each other for Thanksgiving and it was really difficult. So um, again, to all of our listeners, happy holidays, Merry Christmas. This will be dropped on the 23rd. So two days before the holiday. And then we will be back with one more episode on the 30th 
where Jessica and I will highlight our top 10 most memorable moments in the royal family in 2020. So uh, we have this episode and one more to wrap out the year. And we have a big royal rundown today. So whenever we take two weeks off, whether it's expected for Thanksgiving or unexpected for illness, there's a lot to cover, especially this these past two weeks. And so I don't even have another segment. The Royal Rundown is my only segment because there is so much going on. So we're gonna start with Megan. Megan has had a huge week this week. She made a surprise appearance on CNN's annual Heroes TV special a week ago today. We're recording on December 20th. So on Sunday, December 13th, where she said that in the face of this devastating reality, we saw the power of the human spirit and the remarkable ways that communities respond in challenging times. She also once again carried through her theme of we will be okay from her ITV interview and her New York Times op-ed. That's how she closed the, um, her, the message is about two minutes long and uh, some are speculating. So if you watch the message, which you can watch on CNN.com, just Google it. Some are speculating. So she's sitting in front of um, purple flowers. Are those lilacs, Jessica? I think so. I don't know. I, I could see them back there, but they seemed a little blurred out and I'm not sure. Yeah, but they were purple flowers. She had on kind of a purplish colored top. So I've seen some um, references to that being that the color purple. I, I know that Megan is a very thoughtful person and she doesn't do things with uh, just be, like the, the color purple was there for a reason. So I can see this being true. The color purple, which was dominant in that video is a message of uniting the red. So which is a color associated with the Republican party and the blue, the color associated with the Democratic Party into the color purple. So of course, going back to like second grade, if you mix the color blue and the color red, you're painting or whatever, that makes the color purple. And so that is likely, according to sources, a message of unity as we move into 2021 in the US. Did you catch the message, Jess? Yes. Um, and I also noticed if you look really closely, she has purple eyeliner on as well. Oh, I didn't notice that part. Yeah. Um, I have to say, I thought it was interesting how she tied the message back into the are you okay line that we've heard so many times over the last year from her. Um, but I do have to critique her appearance a little on this one. Um, this was really not my favorite look of Megan's. I don't know who her stylist is or who put this together, um, but I feel like they just really missed the mark. Um, she kind of looked uncomfortable to me and I love, a, you know, a pussy bow blouse. I know a lot of the Royals wear those, yeah. um, but I did not really like this particular one. I didn't like how the bow was kind of, I don't know, it was like twisted under. It wasn't really tied in a bow. Um, and her hair, you know, Megan normally does a really great job with her hair, whether it's a messy bun or she's got it down and, and flowing really long and she really pulls off a natural look so well. And I just felt like, I just felt like this was not her. She didn't look yeah. comfortable. It looked a little inauthentic. And I feel like maybe her stylist was 
thinking more about the event than Megan's personal brand and style and, and miss the mark on pulling that all together. So, you know, I I don't know. I didn't have a problem with the top. I I actually, I I like Megan's tops that she tends to favor, like the Victoria Beckham tops that she wore earlier in the fall, but um, she looks different and I can't explain why except maybe she looked tired. I, I don't know, but something with her makeup did seem a little off. It just didn't. I, I think it was the purple eyeliner. <laughs> it, it might, it, it might have been, I mean, maybe that's, I didn't even notice that to be honest with you, but maybe that is what it was. It just, her, her outfit didn't bother me, but the the makeup did and and she just looks different not bad necessarily just different and so I I don't know I mean it was it was a surprise appearance so maybe it was pulled together at the last minute I don't know but it was good to see Megan again I have a feeling that we are on the cusp of seeing a lot of Megan and Harry and and, or hearing them we're going to talk about the podcast in just a second so also that same night it came out in fortune that Megan is now a startup investor investing in a small female founded California oat milk latte startup, Clever <laughs> Blends. Um, you know, I'm a coffee person. I know you like coffee too. And so I would be down to try this. This kind of sounds like something that you would really gravitate towards, Jessica. Yeah, I checked out the website and I would definitely be willing to give it a try. It looked like there were four flavor options. They had matcha, chai, coffee, and the golden latte, which is um, like a turmeric blend. Uh-huh. Um, I think I think I would definitely go for the matcha or the coffee flavor first, but, um, but they looked good. Yeah, and clever, by the way, is spelled C-L-E-V-R, so no second E. So the investment amount was not disclosed, but Megan told Fortune in a statement that she reached out to the company after trying their lattes at the brand Santa Barbara pop-up shop and loving it. Of course, Santa Barbara is uh, very close to Montecito, which is where she and Harry live now. And so Megan also sent some over to her neighbor, Oprah, who apparently (laughs) is also a big fan. And this may be Megan's first public investment, but I know without a shadow of a doubt that it will not be her last and it's very on brand for her because it's female founded it's it's a small business it's a startup it's uh natural and organic and it just it feels a lot like her so um congratulations Megan for becoming a startup investor that's no small feat I wonder how much she invested but we'll probably never know Um, What did you think about Oprah um, kind of endorsing that product? Well, the Oprah endorsement means everything. I mean, I think about the story about Spanx and how Oprah endorsed Spanx and put them on the map. I mean, Oprah can say she likes something and it's game over for, or not game over, it's really game begun for the company. It's It's the launch pad. And so I think that, um, Clever blends is is doing quite well today because of the the dual endorsement so um and I like how Oprah didn't say Megan's name in the endorsement but she made it very clear that it was her neighbor M and then she put a crown emoji next to it so it's pretty obvious 
who we were talking about here. Yeah, I um I didn't realize Megan and Oprah were neighbors. Um, yeah. I kind of wonder how close how close they are in proximity to each other. Well, I think Oprah lives on. I don't want to. I, I the number that just popped in my mind was sixty five acres, but it could be even more than that. So you know, we say neighbors very loosely, right? right? <laughs> like they're not like on top of each other by any means, but uh, but they do both live in Montecito, and so. Okay. See, that's what uh, I didn't know. Yes. So they both, they both live in Montecito. So, and then right on the heels of that announcement, it was announced that Harry and Megan had inked a podcast deal with Spotify, which they are calling Archwell Audio, which I think that's really cute. Welcome to the podcast space, Harry and Megan. It's something <laughs> that I've really enjoyed learning more about in the past few months. And I, I'm sure Jess, that you listen to their little mini two-minute episode right I did yeah um I mean they both have really great voices they for do. a podcast <laughs> they really do like it's like seriously fantastic podcast voices like it's like they were made for this medium Harry with his deep British accent and Megan has a fantastic voice as well um the complete series will debut in 2021 and will quote build community through shared experience narratives and values so this is of course in addition to the netflix deal the couple signed back in september and Artual audio's first episode which they said would be a holiday special is liable to drop any moment and i have a feeling that it will drop somewhere around when this episode that we're recording now drops on the 23rd I would expect it on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. So thoughts on this big podcast news? Well, um, you know, I I feel like they didn't give us a really big clue into the direction that this was going and what we would see from them. Mm -hmm. But it does kind of make me feel like they are dipping their toes into political issues that maybe they couldn't highlight when they were in their official royal roles. I, I mean, I kind of got that feel that um, that this may be somewhat more political than what we've seen from them in the past. So I'll be curious to know about that. Um, yeah. I will say I kind of wonder why they chose the podcast scene. Um, you know, when I think about podcasts, um, I think about everyday people, you know, kind of your average person who is creative and, um, you know, and driven and, and, and wants to learn and looks for ways to create content and get it out there and get their voice heard. Uh -huh. So whenever celebrities have podcasts, it's always interesting to me because, you know, they could really do anything. They could pick up the phone and, and call someone and be on TV or, you know, do a film or, or a public service announcement, whatever. So, um, it's just interesting when they go the podcast route. I always wonder um, what they're doing there. And and I will say most of the podcasts I listen to are done by average people. And I really do appreciate that about the yeah. platform. Um, but, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what they do. Well, I am a podcast aficionado. I mean, not, not only do we have a podcast, Jessica and I do, but I listen to podcasts pretty much all day while I work. And I actually had to cut down on the number of podcasts I subscribed to because it was starting to get overwhelming and <laughs> which that's, that's when, you know, your life is like really sad is when you're getting super overwhelmed by the number of podcasts you're listening to. But the, the market is so saturated right now. Hillary Clinton has a podcast. Um, Oprah has a podcast. Everybody has a podcast. And so, you know, I think it's, 
not even the wave of the future. I think it's the wave of the present and it is what people are listening to right now. I mean, I think people are even more apt to commit to a podcast maybe than a Netflix series. And so I think they're just trying to reach people on different mediums. I will be very interested to see who they bring on if they just bring on average Joes and average Janes or if they bring on celebrity friends that they have like Megan's friends like Serena Williams, Priyanka Chopra Jonas, um, Amal Clooney. Oh my gosh, I love her. I love Amal Clooney. And um, it's also interesting that through this through this mini episode, this two minute episode, we finally definitively know how to say the word arch well. So thank you for that. So um, I, I was actually pretty right all along in how to say it. So I'm excited. I'm eagerly anticipating this holiday special. And I wonder what that will entail. I just wonder what direction they're going to take the Netflix deal and the Spotify deal because, you know, I just, I have a feeling that they will be telling stories of people that are making a difference and doing good, but I also probably could see them integrating some celebrity into it. They do live in Los Angeles. So I don't know that I, I just think that they're, they're out there on the grind. So they're, they're certainly busy. I feel like 2021 is going to be the year of Archwell. So um, stay tuned for more Megan news. And now we're going to switch gears to Kate and the Cambridge crew. So the entire Cambridge family, all five of them, stepped out for a family night at the theater to see Pantoland, which was a pantomime held for key workers and their families at the Palladium in London, which I probably mispronounced that, but um, George is so tall. Louis is so handsome and oh my gosh, we are going to have a spitfire on our hands with Charlotte, who is so full of personality. <laughs> she could burst, of course, they're walking down the red carpet and William, her father tries to hold her hand. She doesn't have anything to do with it. Then he just awkwardly kind of pats her on the head. And she is so independent, so sassy. And then I got down this rabbit hole of watching all of these videos of Charlotte being sassy, like at Louis christening. Do you remember this when she was walking in? And she looks at the paparazzi, or not the paparazzi, <laughs> the press, and she says, you're not coming. I mean, that, that's a horrible British accent, but you're not coming. And that's <laughs> And then you can see the best look on William's face when he's trying so hard not to laugh. And then, of course, her sticking out her tongue. We thought she was sticking out her tongue at the press, but she's actually sticking out her tongue at her grandfather. Michael Middleton at the King's Cup in August of 2019. I mean, she is sassy. I, I mean, she's going to be a wild child. She's going to be the one to watch. So I couldn't get enough of that video of them. They're just a beautiful family. Don't you think um, Charlotte favors Queen Elizabeth? Oh my gosh. Yes. They're twins. It's, it's, it's uncanny, uncanny how much she looks like Queen Elizabeth and um it I she just keeps getting more beautiful and more beautiful as she and they're just so tall and beautiful and their hair is that gorgeous like golden brown color and I mean just Louie and we're going to talk about the Christmas card in a second but like Louie and the Christmas card I just I, I I can't I can't take the cuteness and I need 
more Archie photos because like we see the Cambridge kids sparingly, but we still see them. But I don't even know. I mean, Archie's now 18 months old. So, or almost, yeah. no, he's now 19 months old. So I need, I need a Sussex Christmas card, which as of this recording, we still do not have. And I don't know if we will get it. I don't know, but I, I feel like Archie has probably changed quite a lot since the last time. Oh we yeah. Talked. And Archie looks hair. just like Harry. Uh, yeah. I mean, he, you know, he's just, he's growing so fast when they're that age, they're, they're constantly changing. Um, so I would love to see a new photo of Archie. I hope we get a Sussex Christmas card. I'm not counting them out yet. Again, we're recording this on December 20th. So they've got a couple days, but maybe, maybe with the um, holiday special podcasts, we'll get an accompanying Christmas card. That would be a great, I think I might've even said this on the last podcast, that would be a great traffic driver to your new website. Your yeah, for sure. but, so I thought that 2020, I, when I was making predictions for 2020 at the end of 2019, I thought that 2020 would be the year of the royal baby. And it is, but it's not the people that I expected it to be. It, the people that are pregnant are not the people that I expected to be pregnant for the most part. So again, not the baby boom I expected, but there is a baby boom happening in the house of Windsor nonetheless. So in addition to Eugenie's pregnancy, which we already knew about, right after we recorded our last episode, um, Zara's husband, Mike Tyndall, announced on a podcast that they are expecting their third child who will join siblings Mia, who will be seven on January 14th, and Lena, who is two. And it has also been reported that Kate's younger sister, Pippa, is expecting her second child with her husband, James. Their son, Arthur, is two. So that makes Eugenie, Zara, and Pippa pregnant. So we've got a, a mini baby boom happening. And I still have hope that Kate is going to have a fourth. I have a feeling that she, and there's an article, we'll talk about that in a couple minutes, that I, I think she really looks up to the queen, admires her. The queen, of course, had four. Um, so far, Kate is even following the, the order of the queen's kids, having a boy, girl, boy. And then the queen had a boy, girl, boy, boy. So um, I still hold out hope for Kate to have a fourth. And I also think that Megan will likely have a second, whether it is naturally or uh, naturally biologically or, um, or through adoption. I could completely see them adopting as well. Yeah, that's interesting that you say that because I could see that as well. Um, and I definitely would love for the Cambridges to have a fourth child. I have started to feel more like their family feels you know, pretty complete right now. Yeah. So I don't know what their plans are there or what will happen, but I thought it was interesting how we just recently talked about pregnancy and miscarriage within the royal family and how we, you know, were wondering if there were stories that we weren't aware of, um, you know, out there or that they haven't talked about before. Um, and I don't know if it was a coincidence or if, you know, if Megan's op-ed in the New York Times led to some stories kind of resurfacing. But um, did you know that Sophie, the Countess of Wessex, almost died during childbirth? So I did know that because I remember it happening when it happened. And okay. this was with her, I can, well, now I can't remember. Was this with her? So she has two kids. Was this with her daughter or her son? It was with her daughter. Yes. Yeah, it, it's her first one. That's right. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was. Uh, I did not know that. And she was actually 38 when she gave birth to her her daughter. Um, mm-hmm. And I think um, I think Edward was actually out of town, and um, you know she lost a lot of blood um, yeah. when she was in labor, and it was it was a really scary thing. Um, so it was very interesting to read about that because I was not um, not aware of that. And then as I was reading that story, I also learned that they had their second child, James, um, with IVF. And that is so refreshing to hear that spoken about because I, as I sit here with you, I'm 34, you know, likely will be around 38, God willing, when, you know, I start to have kids. Some, I mean, it's not going to be, I'm not going to be a young mom and like I had planned, right? And so hearing I mean, obviously would never hope for Sophie or anyone to have to go through that, but hearing these stories, cause these are, and, and I also watched while I was sick, actually being Serena about Serena Williams and how Serena Williams almost died. This is a documentary on HBO and mm-hmm. it was the most fascinating documentary. And now we're really diverging off the Royal family, but um, the most fascinating documentary about how women, especially black women are not always believed she had a pulmonary pulmonary embolism not always believed when they say that they're struggling and then Serena going back to tennis and having the balance being a mom in tennis and it's just it's fascinating and so again to all the moms out there you are just warriors and so I I do remember the Sophie thing happening at the time that was in 2003 I believe so that was a long time ago but um I I just it's yeah it's all moms are are warriors and so god god bless all of them so i don't know we've got some babies coming in 2021 i have a feeling that more to come i think beatrice will have um she's a stepmother but i think she will have her moment as well and so just a lot of a lot of little new ones to love on in 2021 and i'm all about that so Christmas cards are rolling out. I have seen the Cambridge card and Charles and Camilla's and fun detail about Charles and Camilla's. If you'll notice her hands, the way she's holding them, I don't know if this is intentional or if it was just pure accident, but her hands make the shape of a heart, which could possibly be a nonverbal sign to spread love, even as the public is absolutely beating the couple up after season four of the crown. Now for me, I'm like, why are we doing this now? Because, you know, we've done this, right? Like, I mean, this is old news to royal followers that have been, that lived through it. And, you know, I mean, I, I've had, I've struggled, as I've said on the podcast with Charles and Camilla forever. And I guess maybe this is a lot of people's first introduction to this, but I can't believe that this is people in the UK's first introduction to tr- maybe young people that were too young to remember it but mm-hmm. I mean yeah this is not news like this this, this is not uh, at all newsy um, people are absolutely showing so much vitriol and hate as if this didn't happen 20 plus years ago so 20 25 years ago even and yeah 30. I mean 
I think it is a new generation of people. And again, you know, you put Netflix out there and they dramatize things and, and focus on specific parts of the story and people get really heated. And, you know, we've talked about this, you know, there's a lot of truth to what was portrayed there, but it is also a dramatization. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's just a younger generation, people that didn't live through it when it happened. And so it's fresh and new to them. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's again, why I have had such a hard time accepting Camilla is because I, you know, I lived through their separation and their divorce and Camilla being at the center of it all. And also, so did you happen to catch Jessica, this Dateline special about Diana that was on this past Friday? I did not. Okay. So I did, and it was kind of a last minute thing. I happened to go over to my mom's and she was like, Hey, this is on. Do you want to watch it? And we did. And we very much agreed that it was incredibly pro Charles. And it actually got quite a few facts wrong. The one in particular that bothered me the most was that it said that Diana threw herself down the stairs while pregnant with Harry, when in fact it was when she was pregnant with William. And I think I mentioned that on a previous episode of this podcast. They just, I don't know. It was just not as factually tight as I was ex- would expect from NBC. They had some good royal experts there, but it just seemed incredibly pro Charles. And the message that I got from it was that Charles didn't start cheating on Diana with Camilla until after Diana had started cheating on him with other men. And that is just not true. And so I just, I was not incredibly impressed. And I actually wrote a post about this in a Royal Facebook group that I'm a part of. And I mean, the response was overwhelming that of people that agreed with my mom and I's sentiments. And so I just, you, you can check it out, but I was just kind of not impressed. Yeah. I don't know. I wonder what the motivation was behind that special. Um, but probably on the heels of the crown coming out. So it's just really disappointing, um, that they would, I mean, it's just really poor journalism in my opinion. Yeah, it is. It's just bad fact checking. I'm like, who, who is fact? And you know, I'm not sitting here in a holier than thou ivory tower saying that I always get it right 100% of the time, but I've owned that from the beginning. And I think I get it right most of the time. I I usually don't say things unless I'm 99.9% sure that it's accurate. And if I'm not, then I will always say something like fact check me on this. But -hmm. if you're going to put out a Dateline NBC program, two hours long on a Friday night in prime time, you need to make sure that that is airtight and factual. And it wasn't. And so I just, yeah, I, I would take that up that with a grain of salt. And it just seemed incredibly bent towards the, the premise was to talk about Diana's life, but it seemed very rehabilitatory, if that's even a word, towards Charles and Camilla and their reputation. So I was not impressed um, at all. So but watch it get your own opinions. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion. So pivot here in a rare move. We heard from the retired Philip this week. We haven't heard from him in a long time. He wrote a letter to the Chartered College of Teaching, paying tribute to teachers and staff who have continued to work throughout COVID. Philip, who is a patron of the organization, wrote, quote, 
I commend all teachers and school staff for your professional and resolute commitment throughout the past year to teaching our children and young people in the most challenging conditions, excuse me, as patron of the Charter College of Teaching, I wish to thank you all for your selfless dedication and send you my best wishes for a well-deserved break over Christmas and the new year. It was nice to hear from him. We don't hear from him very often. So, uh, and he is retired. So he's allowed to be 99 years old and retired and surviving a global pandemic, but it was nice to hear from him. So hello, Philip. And um, moving into a couple of magazine articles that I picked up this week, People has shared the Cambridges and the Sussexes have exchanged Christmas gifts. Any thoughts as to what, Jessica? Yeah, um, I wonder how they got that information. Um, I have no idea. I sort of laughed at the thought of them sending gag gifts through the mail. Um, you know, because that's a tradition at Sandringham. But of course, I'm sure they did not do that. I, I sort of wonder if maybe they sent Christmas gifts for the kids um, yeah. or if maybe they sent like a family sort of gift for everyone to enjoy. Um, I don't know. What do you think? I don't think it was a gag gift this time. <laughs> I have a feeling that they are not at the point where they're comfortable no. sending gag gifts. Is, is getting a gift at all. I mean, they're still family. They're still brothers. I think we've all had family tension in our families and we've all you know you still send the gift even if there's tension and I bet it was very on both sides very formal and very thoughtful and well thought out probably as you said with a bent towards the kids because at the end of the day if you just make it about the kids then that's a spot of peace in all families. So I would love to, maybe we'll, maybe we'll find out, but somebody's leaking in uh, either Kensington Palace or on the California side. But anyway, so that was nice. That's, you know, that's a little goodwill for you. And I also read this week from Good Housekeeping that according to royal experts, Kate, is more like the queen than Diana, which duh, <laughs> I mean yeah. like, <laughs> no duh, because of her introverted nature, love of the outdoors, and ability to compartmentalize. Um, I, I say correct, but also that is a little obvious, um, but there you go. So Harry and Meghan had a big legal win this week. They won a um, suit with Splash UK, and now they must agree to not take any more photos of the Sussexes. So this lawsuit came about after the family was paparazzi taking a hike in Canada last summer. I can see those photos in my mind. And so uh, that's another win for, for Harry and Meghan this week. So how do you feel you know, about that? Them. You know, I mean, it's such a catch 22 because it's like they want to be in the press. They don't want to be private citizens, but they want it on their terms. And, you know, I guess, they want a distinction between their public and private life, but I don't know. It's it's a it's it's so complex. I mean, I'm glad for them that they won. I think the paparazzi oversteps bounds all the time with the British royal family, in particular Diana when she was alive, and now the Sussexes. They don't really seem to do that so much for the Cambridges, but um, I'm I'm happy that. If it brings Harry and Meghan a sense of peace in some way, then I'm happy for that. What do you think? 
you know, I was trying to think about the rights of everyone on both sides of this. And I agree with you, you know, the paparazzi definitely oversteps their boundaries. Um, and I think there should absolutely be restrictions on photographing someone in their home or on their private property or, you know, in private moments. But if you're out on a hike and it's, you know, a public trail or, you know, it's on, you know, some other sort of mountainside that other people would be hiking on. I mean, I don't, I don't really know that, that you can tell them they can't photograph them. I mean, obviously you can if they won the lawsuit, but um, I mean, I don't really know where you draw that line there. They are, they are celebrities and um, that's sometimes part of the lifestyle, um, but right. I don't know. I think you have to find that balance and I'm not really sure what it is. Well, I just, it's, it's murky and it's messy. And I think about, you know, okay. So the, the paparazzi pictures of Archie playing in the pool in the backyard, that's a huge invasion. Right. Um, but I, it, I mean, I just, I'm just happy that again, the Sussexes are feeling hopefully some peace and are it just, I just, I know what Harry's afraid of and it's, the history repeating itself with Megan and you know I just watched this special about Diana on Dateline and about how the paparazzi just hounded her and were you know inadvertently responsible for her death in Paris and because she was being chased by them at the time and I just know that that is what he's after he's looking to write history this time R-I-G-H-T, not W-R-I-T, to make it right. And so if this is one step towards that, then I'm happy for them. Yeah, I agree. And I definitely could see that from his perspective, for sure. And I don't think, you know, I think when you're chasing someone like that, I mean, that goes beyond taking a photo to really harassment. Um, right. And it's absolutely wrong. Um, so, you know, I don't know. I, I agree with what you're saying. I, I think Harry has a very unique perspective on this and he's very protective of his family's privacy. Yeah. And he always will be because he knows the other side of that. And he is the protector and defender of his family. And he knows what it's like to lose someone so close to him. So, all right. Our final news item is kind of bizarre. So this is some odd news. We reported recently that Eugenie and Jack had moved into Frogmore, which is Harry and Meghan's old home, but now they've reportedly, reportedly moved out of Frogmore and back into Kensington Palace. So I don't get it. Um, any thoughts, Jessica? So, yeah, I mean, I've actually given quite a lot of thought to this because it is so strange. I just find yeah, myself so shopping and wondering what is going on here. Um, you know, initially I thought, I really don't think that they moved to Windsor and then missed the city and moved back because I think that they are familiar with the difference in the city life and, and, and being yeah. you know, somewhere like Windsor. I think they knew what they were getting into. So, I mean, the most logical thing to me is maybe there was something wrong with the house. Like there was a leak or some other safety issue that was uncovered and they're having to move out temporarily to you know, get things up to code to where they can move back in, yeah. um, you know, 
I, another thing I thought was maybe they worked out, and I think I mentioned this to you this week when we were talking about it, maybe they worked out an arrangement privately with the Sussexes and then, you know, the palace considered it and, and told them no, that they didn't want them to live there. I, I don't know why they would do that, but there may be something going on there that we're not aware of. Well, there always is. <laughs> right. I'm sure there's a whole lot more to the story than we know obviously because I don't have any reason or rationale for why but anyway so that story is developing we'll keep you posted on what we hear about that so that is it for the rundown for a final episode of the year episode five the royal rundown will take a look at the most memorable royal moments of 2020 so make sure to tune in next week and what you got Jess So today I thought it would be fun to take a look back over 2020 and highlight Kate's best looks. Um, So, you know, at the end of every year, it's always fun to kind of recap the events that took place and the royal sightings that we've caught in the media or in person, if you're lucky enough to experience something like that. And I think we can all agree that the work that they do is very important. And and the ultimate goal here um, of their many engagements is to bring awareness to a cause or send a message to the public or build relationships with world leaders, you know, but we can't help but look out for the fashion at at these events. Um, Yeah. As Elizabeth Holmes puts it, you know, the fashion is very carefully planned, all elements are considered, and royals like Kate make statements and send messages with their fashion. Um, And often, you know, big fashion trends are sparked based on what we see the royals wear. Absolutely. Given that we don't get to see the Royals walk to St. Mary Magdalene on Christmas Day this year, um, I thought we would go ahead and kind of talk through some of her best looks um, now. And we know this year has been different from past years with a global pandemic. Um, The Royals had to adapt like everyone else. And a lot of their engagements were moved from in-person to Zoom. And as a result of that, you know, we missed out on some opportunities to see them out and about and dressed up. Um, but we did have the opportunity to see them in different ways, um, sometimes more casual in their homes. And I think that was sort of a treat in itself. Before we jump into this list, I will say I noticed a few trends for Kate this year. Mm -hmm. One big one was repeats of pieces we've seen her wear in years past. Yeah, so we call those replicates. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. (laughs) I think this is really appropriate, um, you know, for this year because everyone's had to cut back and do things differently. And it's a great way for the Royals to kind of make it okay to re-image some of your favorite pieces. You know, it's really easy to get caught up in that pressure to constantly be buying new things. And we see influencers online always pushing for the latest um, trends and You know, I think this is a great way for the Royals to bring out pieces that they already had in their closet and wear them differently or with new accessories. And it kind of allows everyone else to feel like they have permission to do the same. And and it makes repeats feel fashionable. You know, we're actually allowed to wear something twice. It is okay, especially if it's so classic and timeless and high fashion, wear it three times, wear it five times. And she spaces them out well enough to, to make that work. Definitely. And if you buy those classic pieces, they really will last a long time. And, you know, we saw Charles talk about this earlier this year, and he shared, you know, shoes that he's had forever and gets them 
sold at the cobbler and suits he's worn multiple times over the last several decades. So, um, you know, I think knowing the, even the environmental dangers of fast fashion, um, this is really a time when excess by the Royals might seem really insensitive and, um, you know, both given their environmental um, causes that they push and also strains on the economy from the pandemic. So I think it's really refreshing to see Kate in some of her older pieces. Yes. So the other trend I saw this year was the monochromatic look, which we've also seen the Duchess of Sussex wear on occasion. Megan loves that. And I love it when Megan does that. It yes. makes so if you guys don't know, I'm the editor of what Megan wore. So this is like Megan's fashion is something I study on the daily. So I'm glad we're talking about Kate's fashion. And not that I don't love Megan's fashion. Obviously I do. Um, I mean, I love it, like absolutely adore it and have committed myself to writing about it. But Kate's fashion is so similar yet different. And um, I love a good monochromatic look. Megan does that all the time. So I like seeing Kate do it. Yeah, and this trend is probably one of my favorites. And then I've seen a lot of fashion bloggers and influencers this year really styling a lot of monochromatic looks. So um, we'll go ahead and get started. I will go ahead and say that I had a very difficult time narrowing this list down. Kate has really nailed her look, um, you know, in recent years. And I feel like every time she comes out and wears something, it's better than the last time. But um, we'll go ahead and start with, uh, I'll start with 10 and we'll, we'll count down to my number one favorite look. So my first look from this year was on January 27th when Kate attended the Holocaust Memorial Day service. She wore a gorgeous gray Catherine Walker dress. It was a fit and flare style dress. It featured a high neckline with a black velvet sort of Peter Pan collar with uh -huh. really sharp points. Um, the dress had long sleeves, it had black velvet buttons along the wrist, and a matching gray belt with a black buckle right at the waist. She paired it with sheer black tights and black pumps, and she had the really, the prettiest pearl cluster earrings. I thought it was really appropriate for the occasion, and I really loved the look. So I sent you some pictures of my picks ahead oh, of this. Oh yeah, I'm looking at it right now. So Catherine Walker is such a longtime royal favorite. Diana wore Catherine Walker all the time in the 1990s. And so Catherine Walker continues through this generation of royals. Kate wears her all the time. Megan has even worn her a little bit. Is that a headband in Kate's hair or am I, is, is her hair just pulled back? Um, because yeah. Kate can rock a headband now. Kate is, I can't. And so I respect that. But anyway, that's, that's neither here nor there. I love this look. Um, it's, it's a gray dress at its core, but the detailing like the Peter Pan collar and the belt around the waist, and we'll find a way listeners to put these photos somewhere for you on Instagram, maybe so that you can see what we're talking about. But um, yeah, I just, I love it. It's classic. And you know, if you can make gray look that good, then you know you're doing something right. Right. Yeah, I couldn't tell in the photos if that was a headband or not, but um, but love the dress. Definitely. That that was a yeah. big win. She looks really um, happy. She does. I yes. mean, and that's that's probably not even appropriate because it's at the Holocaust Memorial Day service. But in this moment, she she she's wearing a somber outfit, right, for the occasion. But um, she just brings her sparkle wherever she goes. 
So number nine was actually very recent on December 8th. Last week, the, two weeks ago. Yeah. When the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge, they wrapped up their royal train tour at Windsor Castle with Her Majesty, and they enjoyed some Christmas carols by the Salvation Army's Regent Hall Band. You might remember Her Majesty was in a bright red coat, and Kate wore this beautiful dark green coat. So this was one of those monochromatic looks we talked about, and it was an outfit repeat. So really both um, both trends here. Um, this coat designer is also- on this, Jessica? Sorry to cut you huh? off. Who's the designer on this? Uh, Catherine Walker is okay, also Catherine the designer. Walker, and that's what I thought. And it's, it's a rich dark green color. It's quite long. Um, it falls almost to her ankles and it has a double breasted front with four buttons and a dark green fur shawl collar. So she paired the coat with black suede boots and black gloves and a black clutch, which looked to me to sort of be black velvet um, from the from the mm-hmm. photo. And then um, I'll also note this coat that was a repeat, we first saw back in March when she and William were touring Ireland. They were in Dublin mm-hmm. um, and she did not wear the fur collar back in March, but she added it for this December event, which I really loved. So I was kind of wondering, Rachel, do you um, do you ever do fur or fur faux fur at all? I wish I could afford to do fur. I mean, <laughs> I I would do faux fur probably just because you know I I love animals and I I don't think I get on with myself wearing real fur, but I um, I love this and this color is is a great color of green and it's very reminiscent to me of her Christmas 2019 look do you remember she wore gray but she had that green accent she had green heels on she had a green hat on Charlotte was in a green coat that was I believe this exact color and I love it I love how she is able to take a piece that she's re-wearing and reimagines it like with the fur and and makes it new and she just looks stunning again Catherine Walker is such a favorite of the family so I, I loved this uh, when I saw this a couple weeks ago yeah I did too and um, I really like the the faux fur collar trend. Um, I'm like you. I've got, I do not have any real fur. I actually, my current handbag is vegan leather. Um, Mm -hmm. And I really actually like that. It's held up well. And um, I do have sort of a fur, a faux fur scarf um, wrap thing that I wear on occasion, but that's about all I've got in my closet on the way of fur. (laughs) Yeah. I, I would never wear real fur, even if I could afford it. I, faux fur is the way to go. So the next outfit on the list feels very accessible to me. Um, On January 22nd, Kate attended a baby sensory class, and I'm not sure how to say the name. I'm going to try my best. At the Ely Soro Children, how do you say it? Peru. Peru Children's Center in Cardiff. Okay. So for this outing, she had a fitted black turtleneck, and it was tucked into a pleated maxi skirt with a leopard print pattern. The skirt is reportedly from Zara, which is actually a store that I shop at a lot and I personally really love. Um, I read it costs about 30 pounds, which is around 40 US dollars. And then she finished the outfit with black suede heeled boots. Um, And I just loved how fitting it was for the event. I felt like 
you could just imagine any mom of a young child wearing this outfit to work. And, you know, when Kate was there, she even talked about her experience as a first time mom. And I think she just nailed the look. It's very relatable yeah. and it's easy to imitate. Yeah, she's so accessible. And that's, that's something that I've always admired about Kate is that I feel like I could pull off that look. And, you know, there's a lot of royal looks where I cannot say that at all. And mm -hmm. I love the turtleneck. I love a good turtleneck. You know, we've seen in the last year or two, a kind of a uptick in um, animal print. Uh -huh. Are you an animal print person? So one of my favorite tops that I own is a zebra print and Klein top. And that is the only animal print that I own. Not opposed to it though. I just, for me and my body type, I tend to look better in solids and instead of patterns, but, um, but I love that Ann Klein top that I have because it's like vertical stripes. So it makes my torso, which is pretty short, look longer. And, um, but I love Kate pulling off this look right here. Yeah, I'm like you, I tend to go for solids as well, but I do have a dress and you would probably like this dress. Um, and it is a black dress and it's got a leopard print pattern, but the leopard print pattern is in a black velvet. So mm. it's all one color, but you kind of get that, that leopard print feel. Mm -hmm. um, I think it was an Ann Taylor dress. I'm actually looking at it right now because I'm sitting in my closet. <laughs> yes. I, I love all of your clothes, Jessica. You have, you have impeccable style, so. Well, thank you. I'm sure I would love it. Um, I, would, I would not mind some of Kate's clothes as well if that were in budget you could pull off this look this number eight look no problem at all probably for a low price point too yeah definitely um okay so for number seven we are going to recognize another monochromatic look from this year we saw kate on october 12th at london's natural history museum where she explained that she would be announcing the winner of the wildlife photographer of the year award so she was wearing all black which we don't often see um, you know, this outfit was, it was black pants with a simple black top, and it was under this really sharp black blazer. It was quite the power suit, in my opinion, um, and, and I really liked it. The blazer kind of gave me tuxedo vibes. The, the collar was this black satin, so it stood out a little bit from the rest of the coat, and it had really defined shoulders. Um, her top was tucked into her pants with a black belt. And she softened the look with loose curls and kind of small hoop and pearl earrings. Um, but I really love this look. And I think her exact blazer is Alexander McQueen. Uh, McQueen. Yeah, it, that's Sarah Burton for Alexander McQueen, who of okay. course designed her wedding dress. So it yeah. was nice to see, because um, Sarah Burton, if I'm not mistaken, took a beat from McQueen, but she's back now. And it was nice to see Kate in Sarah Burton for Alexander McQueen again. I remember Kate getting a lot of riffraff over this look because it was a pantsuit. And of course, Megan wears pantsuits all the time, but Kate normally doesn't. But I love Kate in a pantsuit because it's modern. It's relatable. We're not in the 1950s anymore. Women can wear and should wear whatever the heck they want to wear, first of all. But women can rock a pantsuit and this is a gorgeous one. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a really sexy look, honestly. And yeah, she's you know, more power sexy. to her. Yeah. I, um, I wonder if she was criticized for this look because it is a little bit more, 
I mean, it's definitely a statement piece. It's a little bit more on the masculine side because when I was looking back at the events she did this year, she did wear some pantsuits to other things, but they were like, you know, pink or soft blue colors. And um, they weren't quite as bold as this particular outfit. And I mean, I loved it. It was a great statement piece. Um, I hope we see more of that. Oh, I'm so into it. I mean, I I think, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. I mean, it with, I say I wear pantsuits more than I wear uh, even dresses to work. I haven't worn anything but yoga pants to work in nine plus months. But back when I used to go into the office, I wore pantsuits probably like seven times out of 10 to dresses. And, and it's just because it was more accessible for me running around. And I just it's just what I trend towards. So I'm all about it. Well, I say all of this being someone who actually really does love a soft look. Um, I love feminine dresses and I love more traditional classic styles. Um, But, you know, let's be practical. Sometimes London is cold and, you know, it's not always, it's not always a great option, you know, to wear a dress and heels at at whatever type of event you might be at. And um, I don't know. I mean, I think a look like this, at a, an announcement at a museum. I think it was totally appropriate. Loved it. So I'll go ahead and jump in and just say um, these, this list that I came up with, these are looks really based probably on my preference. I really, you know, don't think Kate had a bad outfit in all of 2020, but um, but I know everybody has different styles. So our listeners may not totally agree with, um, you know, with what I've put together on here. So we would love for you to go out and, um, look at this list and and check these pictures out and let us know your thoughts and what your favorite looks are. Absolutely. And share with us your favorite look of hers this year. It didn't make the cut. Right. So for the next look, we're going to go back to February 25th when Kate attended a performance of Dear Evan Hansen to benefit their Royal Foundation. Back when we could do such things, right? (laughs) Uh, Right before it all stopped, yes. Um, This was really a fun outfit for the Duchess. Um, It's a little bit different than what we normally see. Um, Maybe not so much the dress. So she wore a black tweed dress. It had a line of buttons down the front. Um, It was by Eponine, I think is how you say that name. Mm -hmm. And it featured three quarter length sleeves. It was fitted at the top but flowed once it got past the waist and it fell just above her ankles. But what I thought really elevated this outfit and made it fun was that she paired it with silver glittery heels and a glittery clutch. Yeah, so the dress is just okay to me, right? It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, I don't dislike it, but it's not gonna be you know, a standout look to me, but, the, but what I went gravitated towards instantly was the heels. And that's what makes the look for me. Me too. I thought that's what really made it pop. Um, you know, it's not every day we see uh, the Duchess of Cambridge in glitter heels. And I couldn't help but think, you know, like this is totally something you would wear to a club in your early 20s, uh, you know, and I kind of wonder if Kate would wear shoes like this out in her younger days. Um, I think I read these were Jimmy Choo's. Okay. Uh, they, were just, they were fun. And it was, you know, I don't know, it's like a, a throwback to, to younger days. I like it. She does look very youthful, but the shoes steal this look for sure. Definitely. 
So next on the list is an outfit from January 28th when we saw Kate in another tweed look. Um, it was a gorgeous tweed skirt and blazer suit. This is by gorgeous yeah, I mean, this is totally like classic Duchess look. Yeah, this um, is classic Kate. Yeah, definitely. This event was the natural, uh, I'm sorry, National Portrait Gallery Workshop at the Evelina London Children's Hospital. Um, so the blazer was double breasted. It had a collar and then the skirt fell just above her knees and kind of flared out below the hip. It was kind of a, like a grayish charcoal color. Um, and she paired the suit with sheer black tights and black pumps that had kind of a chunky heel. Yeah, so, I like the heel. I was just noticing the heel, how it's a bit more chunky than she normally wears, but I really like it. Yeah, me too. I thought it, I thought it paired well with the, with the suit. And um, I have actually seen a lot of boutiques online this year selling tweed dresses and blazers. Um, so I'm kind of wondering if this trend will pick up in 2021. No, I love this look. Is it, do you own tweed? I don't really own tweed. Um, I have in the past. Currently, I don't know that I have any tweed. I do have a skirt that is sort of tweed. Um, but I will say, so I'm a big fan of tweed. Whenever I have shopped online to find something tweed, they're normally pretty pricey. I yeah. mean, you can find affordable versions online. Um, but if you really want like a piece that's going to last for a long time, it's a little bit more of an investment piece to me. Yeah. And okay. This is a very, very weird question. Forgive me, but is tweed itchy? Um, normally it's lined. So no. Um, and I, I will say I had a tweed dress a few years ago that wasn't lined and even that one didn't really feel itchy, but I mean, I'm sure it depends on the, the material that they use, but my recommendation on this one is if you want something tweed, invest in a good piece, get it lined, and it'll last you a long time. It's just, it's different. I like it. I, for some reason, I really like, so of course it's the royal protocol rule that women should be in tights or pantyhose. And mm -hmm. I hate pantyhose, but I love when Kate wears black tights like this. And she wore them on look number 10 as well. And I like them there too. So mm -hmm. Kate, Kate is one of the few people that can wear tights and I love it on her. Well, and I will say I wear black tights a lot in the winter and um, they're great if you are super pale like I am. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't have a tan in the middle and, of winter. <laughs> and me. Let's not forget me. I'm Casper over here right now at all times. So no, I, I, I wear black tights a lot in the winter as well. So we are down to the last four on the list. And I mean, I'm going to tell you, all of these are so great. I oh my really gosh. struggled. Yeah, we're, in, we're getting into some really good stuff right now. Yeah, I had a hard time putting these in order. Um, so for number four, I chose her outfit from the annual Commonwealth Day celebrations on March 4th. Um, she wore a Catherine Walker coat dress again. This was another repeat. Um, and she wore it with a matching hat and red pumps. So the dress had, and I know our listeners have seen this dress before, but that Peter um, Pan collar again. Yeah. The Peter Pan collar again, she had red velvet cuffs on the sleeves, a red velvet collar, red velvet buttons, um, a red hat, red pumps, red clutch, very mono monochromatic. Mm -hmm. um, she first wore this dress on, I think it was Christmas day, 2018. Yeah. Okay. I knew I recognized this look because I just did 
a Christmas looks for Kate post or article for Southern Living. And I knew, I was like, I've seen this dress before, but it wasn't at Commonwealth Day. Yeah, she wore it for Christmas a couple of years ago. Yeah, I love this look. Um, I mean, of course it was going to make the list and I went back and forth on on where to put it, but um, but it came pretty close to the, it was definitely in the top five for me. Yeah, I love this look. Um, love that Peter Pan collar again. Um, it's a shame that, everything was so fractured between the Cambridges and the Sussexes at Commonwealth Day because mm -hmm. Megan in her green Amelia Wickstead and Kate in this red gorgeous Catherine Walker, which by the way, Catherine and Catherine 2020, right? So much <laughs> Catherine Walker on here, but uh, that would have been a gorgeous photo, but we definitely didn't really get that, so. Yeah, you're right. Um, do you have a, like a favorite color that you like to wear a lot of? mine is 1000% red. Red really? is my color. I did one of those color tests when I was a little kid where they, you know, like color wheel tests mm -hmm. and red. So for those of you that are listeners that don't actually know me, I'm very fair skinned. I have brunette, I have blue green eyes. So red is, it just really works. It's my complexion, my hair color, everything. Red is my color. And then second to that would probably be green. Okay. Yeah. What about you? I, um, I tend to go for a lot of neutrals. So most of my closet, I mean, I have like a very large portion of my closet is like white cream and off white. Uh -huh. <laughs> See, I avoid white like the plague because I am so pale. Well, I have a white dog that sheds. So I have learned <laughs> wearing white really works for me. But um, I will say if I wear red, it has to be um, more like a maroon or a burgundy. Bright red is not always my best color. Um, although I'm actually wearing a bright red top right now. You are, um, says Cambridge. <laughs> yes, uh, we were talking about this before we started recording. Um, I When I was in England in 2015, I actually went to Cambridge and we went to Cambridge University and I picked up this sweatshirt and it's one of my favorites. But um, I have noticed lately that I've been gravitating more toward greens. So olive greens, hunter greens, um, that that area of my closet. So I have all of my clothes um, organized by color. Oh, and me too, me too. My green section seems to be growing. Yeah, so my my eyes are blue green and they change colors depending on what color I wear. So if I wear green, like I'm wearing green right now, they're very they're very vibrant green. And if I wear blue, then they're blue. I love that. Yeah. So moving on to number three. This is my favorite one of the whole year, by the way. Okay, yeah, I thought I remembered you saying that you really liked this look, and I love it love too. It. I mean, I think everyone will remember this look well because it just happened in November. Um, but this was Kate's look on Remembrance, uh, the annual Remembrance Day service at the, is it the Cenotaph? Is that how you say that? Yes, I think okay. so. So I feel like this look got a ton of publicity and, and oh, rightfully love it. I mean, um, you know, it's this black military style coat with a high collar very defined shoulders with tassels. Um, the coat also had contrasting buttons that sort of looked to, to me to be mother of pearl from what I could tell. Um, and then she paired this outfit with a black hat by Philip Tracy, which um, is not uncommon for her. She likes uh, the Philip Tracy hats. Mm -hmm. So the coat was Alexander McQueen, of course, um, yeah. and her hair was pulled back in a bun. 
And she had these really pretty pearl drop earrings that I just thought brought the whole look together um, really so nicely. So any, any thoughts you want to share about that look? Just that it's my favorite look of hers from this year. And it's so fitting for the occasion. It's black. It's Remembrance Day, obviously honoring those that have, you know, lost their lives in service. And this look is very military inspired and it's so fashion forward. And she just looks, she's a knockout in this look. Yeah, I don't know how she's going to top that one. Um, I mean, it was, it was quite, quite a statement look. I mean, I... I really liked that. Kay usually plays it pretty safe, but sometimes she'll come out swinging with a statement look like this and it just takes my breath away. So <laughs> it's funny that you say that because this um, outfit actually made me think, you know, all eyes are on Kate at these events. So I sort of feel like the other royals are like, eh, it doesn't really matter what we wear. Everybody's going to be watching <laughs> Kate anyway. <laughs> well, then let me tell you that as many feelings as I have about Camilla, whoever is dressing her is doing a fantastic job. She is, she is very well dressed. I she has kept it up in, in recent, um, recent sightings that we've seen of her. Yeah. I mean, I've, I think she's been killing it for a long time. She's, she's, uh, when she's on duty, like when she's off duty, she's super casual and that's fine. But whoever is dressing her for engagements and things like that. Great job. Yeah. Um, I, I did not, I know this was a casual photo, but I didn't love her outfit on their Christmas card picture. Yeah, that's I was, what I'm saying. Like when she's off duty, maybe not so much, but like when right. she's at engagements and stuff, she, she looks good. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think I, I maybe that I've started to pay closer attention to her in recent months. Um, but I have noticed that as well. Yeah. So, okay, I had a really, really, really hard time choosing between number one and number two and what order to put them in. Um, you know, both of these looks were just stunning and it was such a tough choice. Uh, but for number two, I went with this green dress that Kate wore back in March at the Guinness Storehouse's Gravity Bar during the um, tour of Ireland that she and the Duke of Cambridge did. So um, I loved this dress and I loved the event. We actually got to see Kate holding a big pint of Guinness, um, which was really fun and not something that we see very often. Um, yes. But her dress was by the vampire's daughter and it was a rich deep green color. It was perfect for drinking Guinness in Ireland in March. Um, the material was sort of a thin crepey kind of material. Um, it caught the light perfectly. It was shimmery. Um, the shoulders were very defined. They sort of came to a point and the sleeves stopped right at her elbows with ruffles around the middle of her arm. And then the dress fell about, it was like a, a midi length dress and she had a gold clutch. Um, I loved this dress. I mean, I, if I could own this dress, I would buy it tomorrow. I can totally see you in this dress. So this dress really isn't my style. I don't like, I don't really trend towards shiny fabrics. But mm -hmm. I love this on Kate. And it's obviously so well thought out and appropriate for the occasion. Being that they're in Ireland, this is a very deep green color. And um, it's, it's different. And, you know, definitely a designer. We don't see her in very often. I love it when she shakes it up like that. So mm -hmm. good pick. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, oh, gosh, I love 
love that dress. It is right in line with I my could style. totally see you wearing it. Yeah, it's your aesthetic for sure. Okay, Rachel, are you ready? Here it is, number one. <laughs> the winner of my favorite 2020 look of Kate's was um, actually back all the way in January at the start of the year. So on January 20th, she, along with other members of the royal family, hosted the UK Africa Investment Summit at Buckingham Palace. Kate wore this stunning red dress by Needle and Thread. It was a sparkling gown. It featured a high neckline with sheer long sleeves, and it fell just above her ankles. The sleeves were sheer, or I'm sorry, yeah, I just said they were sheer. They were fitted really close to her arms at the top, and then the entire dress was covered in glittering red sequins. Um, mm. The top layer of fabric was sort of like a tulle layer of fabric and um, the bottom had like an unfinished hemline and it just gave it this like soft romantic mm -hmm. layer. Um, she paired it with these rich red stiletto heels and you know again it's sort of this all red all one color look and this is my favorite look of hers for 2020. Um, it's definitely in one of my top all-time favorites for her. I absolutely love this dress. I love those sleeves. Those The detailing on this dress is impeccable. And it, it gives me kind of like almost an Indian or Moroccan vibe, maybe. And, yeah. Um, and the heels are a beautiful scarlet color. And her hair looks amazing too. I mean, when, when does it not, but, um, stunning pick and those, those sleeves, just the, the shoulders on the sleeves have me taking third, fourth, fifth looks at them. Gorgeous. Yeah. I, I really love the unfinished hem at the bottom of this dress and that tool look It's so soft and it sort of makes me think of like of ballerinas like flowing yeah. something it's just so whimsical and it's just it's beautiful it's perfect for January um you know it's it's very elegant but winter appropriate um so I just I don't know Those I love choices all the way around so that's your number one I've said this my number one is the McQueen coat on Remembrance Day but uh Kate does it again another year of fashion and and, and I mean, 2020 will never go down as my best year of fashion. I've been in um, yoga pants and old <laughs> sorority t-shirts 95% of this year. So um, yeah. good on you, Kate, for making it happen. Um, so did I miss any that you would have added? Or did you think that, that I included everything in that list? You know, if this were Megan we were talking about, I would have opinions. You did, you did a good job. I'm trying to think about Kate on Zoom mm -hmm. um, and what I've seen her wearing on Zoom. There's this black and white top that I'm thinking of. I don't know if I put it in the top 10, but um, I'm surprised that you were able to make this top 10 list and not have one single Zoom look, Zoom look rather. Um, yeah, I definitely entertain that idea. And again, I said, you know, these are more toward my taste and I tend to be more into the sort of glam kind of look. Mm -hmm. um, 
I will say a, a kind of a bonus one that I would have liked to have included on the, this list and I didn't. I actually really, really loved their Christmas card photo and her yeah. seeing her in jeans and a collared shirt and a sweater. Oh, yeah. Um, it was just a perfect laid back style, but still very, very royal. Also. Yeah. Yeah. The Christmas card picture was great because it's just so appropriately casual. I mean, I've been casual all year. Um, uh, just your, your choices were great. I, I fully stand behind and support your choices. Kate just never disappoints. I'm shocked that we didn't see. So Kate loves Alexander McQueen. Kate loves Catherine Walker. Kate also loves Amelia Wickstead. We didn't have any of those looks this year on your mm -hmm. top 10 list. Interesting. Also no Jenny Packham. So mm -hmm. I thought that was interesting as well. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely uh, Megan looks of the year. Sorry to cut you off. One of my favorite Megan looks of the year was that green that she wore to Commonwealth Day. And that was Amelia Wickstead. So it's weird to okay, see yeah. Amelia Wickstead end up on Megan's list and not Kate's. But yeah, yeah. Well, I definitely encourage our listeners to take some inspiration from this list. And um, I mean, I don't know about you, Rachel, but I'm going to be looking out for some monochromatic outfits that I can kind of put together because I'm really, really loving that trend. I pray to God that I'll have like some sense of fashion and style in 2021 because there has <laughs> been none of that since about March 13th in my life. I mean, it's just been yoga pants and Nike shorts and that's been the look. So I look forward to like actually, you know, going somewhere and having something to wear for such an occasion. Me too. I am, I'm excited to um, hopefully in 2021 have some opportunities to get out and, um, you know, Leave my house. <laughs> yeah. And spend time with people again, like we used to, it's been oh, a weird year and um, I'm looking forward to 2021. And I think everybody is. Absolutely. Well, Everybody, you know, after my health, um, I say health crisis, it wasn't that big of a deal, but after my health snafu last week, please stay healthy, do what you need to do to stay healthy. Thank you so much for tuning into episode four of Podcast Royal. Don't forget, follow us on Instagram at Podcast Royal. You'll definitely want to do that this week because otherwise the last segment of this podcast will be very boring and not make sense if you can't see the looks email us at hello podcast royal at gmail.com and don't forget to subscribe rate and review our podcast we will see you next week with the most memorable royal moments of 2020 bye bye